0: St. Louis Public Radio's The Gateway gives you the day's news first thing every weekday morning. From the ever-evolving relationship between St. Louis city and county to developments in the Missouri and Illinois state capitals and reports from our correspondents in Rolla and the Metro East. We put it all in a roughly 10-minute package with clarity and context. Download The Gateway wherever you get podcasts.
1: When we want to say, hey, we've got a concert coming up, If you don't know much about music, let me tell you a little bit about why this concert is going to be great. And so I I think it's very important to be able to give that message through words.
0: That's conductor Gemma New. I'm Jeremy Goodwin, and this is Cut and Paste, St. Louis Public Radio's arts and culture podcast. Let me tell you a bit about Gemma New. She is from New Zealand. She's in her third year as resident conductor at St. Louis Symphony Orchestra. That's a job created for younger musicians on the rise. She is 31 years old and seen as a rising star in this world of conducting. In fact, it was just announced that she will make her debut with New York Philharmonic in November. New led the St. Louis Symphony Orchestra's opening night concert. She was actually the first woman ever to do that and the first resident conductor to have that honor. I met with her a few times in the week leading up to that concert. I sat in on uh, rehearsal, I poked around a bit backstage on opening night, and that was for a radio feature which has already aired, you can hear it on our website. This episode of Cut and Paste is an extended version of the conversation I had with Gemma New right after rehearsal. Since I recorded it on location of Powell Hall, rather than in our studios, It does sound a little different from other cut-and-paste episodes from an audio perspective, but I thought folks would like to hear more of what she had to say. So I asked Gemma to tell me about how she got the job of resident
1: conductor. They held an audition and had several candidates, and we got to meet the youth orchestra, rehearse them, get to know them a bit, and then I auditioned with the St. Louis symphony and I have to say we did um, the beginning of Beethoven's second symphony and the very first chord uh, is one that you must have no fear for. Uh, You must give the upbeat with a lot of strength and absolutely do not be nervous or have doubt about where that downbeat is and imagine the sound before it happens. and. So, I did that, and I imagined a glorious sound to come out, and then, when they played, it was so beautiful and brilliant and I loved the sound, and immediately, then I felt like this was going to be a good relationship, so yeah, it was nice. love it first light
0: you, felt you had that thought process on on the, at the podium, yeah,
1: yeah, I did, yeah, it's a hard beginning because with Beethoven, especially he's Strong and forceful sometimes even, uh, but it, it cannot have hesitation. And when you meet an orchestra for the first time, you naturally want to have fear or some kind of hesitation because you want to listen and appreciate and understand before you go in and say, right, here we are. Uh, and you don't know what the sound is going to be, so you're imagining something, you've got something in your mind, but you don't know exactly what it's going to be, so there's uncertainty. And... I think of it more like, you know, just go in and be fearless and just ignorance is bliss. We, we don't know what's going to happen, but we have lots of hope for it. And uh, and so it's a, it's a really a, a fun experience uh, to, to go through that thought process. And then for the sound to be so stunning, uh, it was really positive. And hearing you talk about that, it
0: reminds you of language that a lot of actors use in terms of being being present in the in the moment moment to moment hmm. not even necessarily thinking of the the arc of the performance
1: ah that's interesting yes i mean we do uh come with a plan every conductor prepares uh a plan but then it's always a two-way conversation between or, or a many part conversation between all the musicians and so it becomes very organic. Even the audience has uh, a part to play. If the audience uh, gives a lot of energy, you will find that the orchestra may stretch some things out and be louder and more majestic in parts or even faster uh, because they get that energy from the crowd so uh, it's a really organic thing how the hall sounds you know how we feel at uh, what time of day it is um, everything changes and so it's um, I like it you know it, always um, on the spot
0: One of the pieces on that opening night program was Edward Elgar's Enigma Variations. I asked Gemma Newt to tell me what interests her about that piece.
1: So they're all little miniatures of different characters and personalities and stories. Uh, one is uh, where Elgar found himself bike riding and got stuck in a storm with his friend, and they had to run to the nearest house, and there's a, a, a lady who has a stutter. And you can hear that in the music. There's a bulldog who loves, uh, they throw the stick at the beginning of the variation and he, he runs into the water and he gives a big bark and he gets his stick and then he comes out and triumphant. And, uh, so there's lots of character that you've, uh, that is fun to bring out uh, and that's what we work on in rehearsal, um, honing in an interpretation and that's the weirdest harmony he could possibly choose, right? I think you could get even more even and legato. One more time. That's really nice. Uh, it is supposed to be fun. Just playing around on the keys, you know. Little unrest for us. Keep working at this. Uh, I think uh, as a conductor, I'm more of a, as we've talked about, more of a collaborative conductor um, rather than a dictator telling people what to do. And you could say, well, every group needs a leader, though, and I, I would say absolutely. It's just that my job is to bring everyone's interpretations together and unite them and to everyone's gifts and unite them. And that does not necessarily mean I have to tell people what to do. Um, if you give others the space and the freedom, but also the responsibility to shine with their part, with the, all the experience that they're bringing to the table, then they often feel a lot more valued and they will be able to, um, They'll be inspired to do their best, and also they'll feel more comfortable to do their best. So that's always my philosophy on on conducting. Now,
0: this is the, the nature of your business, but could you tell me a bit about traveling and showing up in a town and working with a large group of people on a piece as intricate as the pieces you work on and just how you relate to a group of musicians in a room that you may or may not have relationships with or have worked with before?
1: Sure. Uh, well, every week is very different. Uh, so this past week, I was at Forest Park, and then I immediately flew to Hamilton, where I'm music director of the Hamilton Philharmonic Orchestra. So um, I know that group very well. It was the first time of the season for them as well. So it's a really good time to meet uh, again. And um, get to work again with people that you're really familiar with but there was,
0: uh, another in that program,
1: there right? was yes cello concerto um, but when you go to an orchestra say next week i'm going to la chamber orchestra and i've never worked with them i know a few of the players from other orchestras that we've worked in before but yes it's a very different experience and what i uh, do is I, i'll fly out there the day before and in the first rehearsal, I'll listen really carefully to what the orchestra is giving. And that is always a great foundation on which we can then hone in an interpretation. Uh, so it's a lot of listening and it's a two-way street of working together to provide a united uh, message for the concert.
0: So it's not necessarily the conductor you roll in with your concept for how it's supposed to sound and, and you mold everyone into that. It's It's more of a... A given date.
1: It's more of a collaborative approach. I think these days, especially with conductors moving much more than they used to and uh, getting to work with orchestras right there, fresh in the moment, you have to be so receptive to what the orchestra gives because they've been playing and say Sailor symphony has been playing in power hall for many many years and they know how the hall responds to their sound and so you've really got to listen to that that's um a gift that's valuable information that a conductor always must take into account when when we get there to get to know who you're working with
0: at this point in in your life and times a job like resident conductor here how how big a deal is that to your career how much of an opportunity is this for you?
1: It's an amazing opportunity. Uh, I'm very grateful to be here because um, I'm learning a ton, and uh, I've able to gain a lot of experience. But I think more so, I'm my eyes are open to a world class orchestra, and these musicians just from being around them and hearing them play and he, learning how they um, they prepare and how they work together in rehearsals and and then to see that how it all comes together for the concerts um, this is absolutely fantastic for me to see and to learn from them and they're very open and engaging and it's always wonderful to be able to have that um, collegial spirit so I feel very nurtured here and um, also very excited by the opportunities I get to conduct such a a wide range of music so uh, you know sometimes it's movies uh, sometimes it's pops uh, Christmas concerts Uh, then it's like family where I get to speak a lot to the audience and really um, teach young ones about music and how great it is And, and then other concerts like this one this weekend which is a full subscription program as another beast entirely so it's it's a really great um variety of work
0: well i noticed they do have you scheduled for a lot of the the film soundtracks and the, all the christmas concerts and stuff like that is that <laughs> is that interesting work for you
1: oh yeah i mean star wars come on i love that movie <laughs> it's gonna be great
0: yeah lots of fun well I that's not why you started studying music though
1: right? oh um you know I uh, am sometimes asked, uh, do you specialize in a certain type of music? And I would say uh, absolutely not. My, my favorite piece is the one that I've got on my desk that I'm studying at the moment, and I obsess with it. I You know, I really learn every single nook and cranny about that piece and learn what all the gems are about it, what the best parts of the piece are, and, and cherish that. So um, whether it's a movie score or... Algar's Enigma Variations, I want to find the best out of it.
0: I think you're, you're known for your, your study of the text, right? You memorize the, the score frequently, don't you?
1: Yeah, frequently. <laughs> um, well, it helps because being a conductor, you need to communicate, and one part of that is with your eyes. So if your eyes are looking down at your score, you're missing that part of the communication with the musicians.
0: This might come more into your life and with your role in Hamilton, but in the in twenty eighteen, are organizations like like Hamilton or like, like uh St. Louis Symphony Orchestra looking for more from you than artistic leadership? Is there like an element of marketing and personality and being yourself as a person in addition to being a musician? Do you find the organizations are looking for that from you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um just yesterday I was in Canada. We were doing podcasts. Um, and But this is music. It, it's talking about music. It's engaging with our audience in many different ways through social media, audio, or video, so that when we want to say, hey, we've got a concert coming up, and it's going to be really great, you can trust us. But also, if you don't know much about music, let me tell you a little bit, about why this concert is going to be great. And so I I think it's very important to be able to give that message through words because uh, often when I program a concert, there's an overall theme. Whether you know a lot about music or a little bit, that theme you're going to be able to relate to as a human being in our great society. So for everyone to be able to understand, okay, this is... When you come out this night, tonight, this is what the concert's going to be about. Uh, this is kind of the overall theme, and then to have that relatable idea means we're already on the same foot, and I, I think people feel more comfortable that way.
0: I think this this business has had personalities that do not respond to the public that well, who are just about the work, and people who are enormous personalities where that's part part of the draw. Where do you see yourself in that continuum? Are you comfortable sort of having your personality up front as as maybe part of the hook for people?
1: Absolutely. I love music and I love sharing it with people. So if we're talking about music, I'm very happy to share ideas with others.
0: But not not about...
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and, you know, if you want to chat about the life of a conductor or something, you know, some idea that we, we we can have a discussion about, then that's fine too. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, in this role, traveling around the world, I get to meet a lot of really amazing people, people who love music, who are from all walks of life, and it's always a joy to get to know them.
0: And I, I had intended to ask you about your interest in new music. That's something that's very important to you. To your practice, right?
1: Oh, yes. Uh, New music is our music. It's music of today, our society, our generation. So I think it it resonates with people on a closer level, perhaps, the music of the past. In, in some ways, it should do that. So uh, I think it's always exciting to have the composer there, and Jay Kernis was here this weekend, and uh, to have a piece of today where a composer can say, this is my piece, this is my message, and, and people hear it for the first time. It's one of the most exciting things, and then it becomes part of our repertoire, part of history.
0: Do you feel like this is a place that that's interested in that also?
1: Absolutely, yes. I mean, to have this piece by Aaron J. Kernis on the f- opening week, that tells me it's important. And we have a piece by Thomas Addis in the other subscription concert I'm doing in the spring. Uh, I got to work with him this summer, and uh, he's a leading composer in the world and conductor. Just the most incredible complex intricate and uh, deeply intense and beautiful music so um, it's going to be a joy to do that piece as well.
0: That was Gemma New resident conductor at St. Louis Symphony Orchestra and music director at Hamilton Philharmonic in Ontario Canada. I'm Jeremy Goodwin and this is Cut and Paste St. Louis Public Radio's arts and culture podcast. Our intro and exit music is by Eric Hall Back there, you heard some of Gemma New and St. Louis Symphony Orchestra rehearsing Elgar's Enigma Variations. You also heard a little bit of Sir Colin Davis conducting London Philharmonic in the 11th Variation, that one about the dog. You can find Cut and Paste at STL Public Radio or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Cut and Paste is sponsored by Gemma, architects, planners, and designers. If you have a smart speaker, you have access to the entire world of NPR and St. Louis Public Radio. All the latest news and all the captivating stories. Activate our voices with yours by telling your smart speaker to play St. Louis Public Radio.